And we are starting a new series in the book of 1 Timothy. Everybody say 1 Timothy. All right, just to know you guys are awake and following me. Um, we finished the Bless series in church on Sundays. The Bless rhythms are super important. And what's cool is a lot of our missional communities are still doing the Bless rhythms and, and living out that we gave them all study guides. So they're living those out or, or working through those in their missional community. So that's still happening. And Bless rhythms were awesome. Um, a sermon series like Bless is what we call topical sermons. All right, everybody say topical. topical. All right, topical is about a topic. All right, like sometimes we'll do a marriage series or we'll do a series. We did a series not too long ago on conflict. And when you do a topical series, you pull verses all throughout the Bible and come to support a topic. And I believe those are good. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, a lot of the sermons we do here are like First Timothy, where they're expository. So you have topical, which is surrounded around a topic. Expository is where you work your way through a book or a chapter of the Bible, verse by verse. And we've done that with Romans. We've done 1 Corinthians. We've done a ton of expository. Um, and the cool thing about expository is that is how we should be reading our Bible, right? Like word or verse by verse. And when you read a, the Bible verse by verse, you see all the verses in their context, because context is king, right? Um, I think that Brian is a faithful preacher. I think, you know, I've been, we both are faithful to the scriptures. But if you're not careful and you make a mistake, you could pull topical, you could pull verses out of their correct context and use them for a different meaning. Does that make sense? So that's why expository is good. It's verse by verse. Um, so we'll be in 1 Timothy for a little while. We might take a break. A, like maybe the week or two leading up to Christmas and, and do one about Christmas. Um, but we're going to be in 1 Timothy for a little while. So 1 Timothy is what we call, uh, in the Bible, there's Gospels. Everybody know what the Gospels are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you goes into Acts, which is more of history of the early church. And then you go to the Pauline epistles, which are letters written by Paul. In 1 Timothy, does anybody know what the group that's put in? It's called the pastoral epistles, the pastoral epistles. So the pastoral epistles are 1st and 2nd Timothy in the book of Titus, okay? And now when we talk about books of the Bible, we must know that it, like, they weren't books written, right? Like they weren't, they're not books, they're letters, all right? And so they're letters written, except for the Gospels. Those are eyewitnesses' accounts of Jesus' life. But these were actually letters that were preserved from 60 A.D. to the year 2023. They're letters that were written in the early church. And they had a whole method of saying what letters should be preserved into what's called the canon of Scripture, what we know today as the Bible. And so these are the pastoral epistles. And so um, we're going to get into the who, what, where, why, when. But my hope for the next 20 to 30 minutes is we're going to read the first two verses of 1 Timothy 1. We're going to give a background, uh, the who, what, where, why, when. And then at the end, I want to give a heartfelt plea that we as a church need to be studying God's Word on our own. That, that listening and hearing God's Word on Sunday is awesome, but on your own, we should be feeding ourselves throughout the week. If the Word of God is truth, 
and the truth is the bread of life, we need to be feasting on the bread of life Monday through Saturday. And, and maybe you're here today and you're like, I find reading the Bible so hard, I'm not a big reader. I've always said, if that's you, you can listen to God's Word. I'm pretty sure the Bible app, under each chapter, you could press play and it'll play it out and you could listen to God's Word. Um, there's many ways. Um, there's reading, there's listening, you know, many, maybe two. But, but anyway, maybe you can think of other ways to consume God's Word. But if you're not a good reader, don't let that stop you from receiving God's Word. If you guys remember what it said about the armor of God, what is our sword that defends ourselves and could attack the evil one? The Word of God. He said the Word of God is our sword. It's our only offensive weapon against the lies of the evil one. So he's like, so my, that's, I'll end by talking about that. But first we'll get into the who, what, where, why, when. Um, but I want to read 1 Timothy 1, 1 and 2. All right? So it'll be on the screens. If you have your Bibles, you can look in there too. Um, but 1 Timothy 1, 1 and 2 says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and to Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, where we got the name of the sermon series, super creative. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we're going to look at to get our who, what, where, why, when. Um, so the first question is, is, who is the author of First Timothy? Paul. I would not feel bad or I would not judge you if you yelled out Timothy because, <laughs> like, there's many books that start out with the person's name that you might think is that person. So it is, the author is Paul. Paul declared himself in this verse as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Um, and so we talk about today that some people have the giftedness of an apostle, but nobody could all, all, no longer be an apostle, capital A, anymore. Because back then, they determined in order to be an apostle, there are certain criteria you'd have to meet. And a true apostle of Jesus is somebody that has seen the risen Christ. You'd have to see the risen Christ. So Paul actually was an official apostle because he saw the risen Christ on the road uh, to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him. So he was an apostle. Um, he was old in age when he wrote this. This is one of his last letters. And what he is doing is, the reason it's called a pastoral epistle, is he sent Timothy to Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, to be the pastor of that church. And he is no longer pastoring that church, but he sent Timothy to be the pastor, and he wanted to write to him on how to pastor that church. And so he was old in age, he was close to the end of his life, um, and he's writing this to his successors, who, after Paul, then there's Timothy, who took over the church, and I'm sure after Timothy, he handed it off to somebody else, and he handed it off to somebody else, and the baton of faith gets passed on from generation to generation. And even studying this, don't you think it's pretty cool that the church met in 60 AD and the Holy Spirit and God has preserved the church all the way until today? All through all the attacks from the world, all the attacks from the enemy, the church is still preserved to this day. Amen? It's like something really cool that I don't think we oftentimes appreciate, but it all happened because one person passed the faith on to the other, to the other, to the other. And so Paul, who's the author, was an apostle, saying this right here when he says his first line 
it wasn't just there as a greeting, and sometimes we skim over these. This was done so Paul is a, like declaring where he gets his authority from. Number one, he's an apostle, but by the command of God. By the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope, I am writing this letter. So, Timothy is going, is at Ephesus to fix bad teaching, to fix problems in the church, to pastor this church. And if people come against Timothy, he could say by what authority he's writing on. He's like, I'm writing upon Paul's authority, and Paul is writing upon God's authority. And so, you know, he's writing upon authority, and authority is good. Um, does everybody have a good grasp on the authority structure of Jericho Road Church? Like how we have like authority and checks and balances and um, can anybody name like one group that we have that kind of oversees the church? Yeah, elders. We have a group of six elders, including myself, that we work as a team to oversee the church. And anytime elders are mentioned in the Bible, they're mentioned in plurality because I believe that God didn't want one man leading the church, right? Like, one person can go the wrong way, right? We've seen that in our society. Usually what happens when a church goes off the beaten path, maybe abuses their congregants, does something they shouldn't do, it's usually the elders are not working in their authoritative role in giving checks and balances to the church. And one man goes off and does things, and his error just grows roots. Right? That's why you have elders, right? Like, I am the lead pastor of the church, but I put myself in submission to the elder board. And I put myself in, and they have, if, if I'm doing something that I ought not to be, they'll mention it. If I, there's something I shouldn't be doing, they'll, they'll tell me. And I submit myself to them. They have the power to fire me. <laughs> and on top of the elder board, we have another group, and that's our denomination. Many of us don't know that Jericho Road Church belongs to an awesome, beautiful denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. If you don't know, you can look it up. It's a great denomination. We actually have a presence in every state in the United States, and we actually have a bigger presence overseas than we do here because we've sent so many missionaries and established churches all the way from India to Vietnam and you name it. We probably have a church there. And as we said a few weeks ago, we actually have a church in um, Israel that, we, that gave us updates, one of our alliance churches. But with the alliance and with denominations, that carries authority too. So we have a district superintendent who oversees all the churches in our region, which is Michigan and Northwest Ohio. And I, he's actually like the elders, like it's, he's like the next step up. So if you, as a partner of Jericho Road Church, see something that is extra-biblical or anti-biblical, your role is to go to the elders. If the elders don't appear to do anything, you can actually go to the district superintendent of the Christian Missionary Alliance in our district, and you could talk to them. And they will step in with their authority and say, what's going on here? And they could pull my pastoral license. They could do all sorts of things. And if you're feeling that and being like, Hey, it doesn't, like, that's good. It's good. The role of the elders, the role of the district superintendent, the role of denominations is really three parts. To protect the church, right? To correct sin, if there's sin happening in the church. And the third is to preserve God's word. To make sure that the word of God is being preached 
in accuracy, and it's good. Like independent churches that don't have any denomination, like we don't, may not know their structure, and if it goes in error, there's maybe nobody else who could step in and give direction and accountability. So it's good. We see it here with Paul and Timothy. We see it here with Jericho Road Church, and authority is good. And you might say, well, I've seen authority get abused, and that does happen. But I think if the church, the lead pastor, and I try to do this, I know Brian tries to do this, we submit ourselves to the elders. And if you ever talk to the elders, like we meet twice a month, um, I report to the elders, I talk to the elders, and I submit myself to them. And usually what happens, and what I've seen, is when churches um, lend themselves to abuse or going off the path, is usually when one person starts operating as a lone ranger. And every decision goes through one person, and that's where error could step in. But I think we here have a great uh, plurality of elders. And one thing I would say is like, yeah, one, one man will corrupt a church if he's left to make every decision and do everything. But every time, and we'll learn here in Timothy, every time it talks about elders, it talks about multiple elders. So there's more than one person talking. Okay? Okay. So who is the recipient? Okay, good. You guys are two for two. Timothy. Uh, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. Uh, we believe Paul led Timothy to the Lord, and Timothy stayed with Paul and went on all these journeys as a young man all the way up, and he did a lot of ministry with Paul. And eventually when he was ready, he sent Timothy on um, to his own church. We see he meets him in Acts 16, um, or he talks about, the first time we see him talk about Timothy is in Acts 16, 1 and 2. It says this, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because he knew, knew the Jews lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So he was half Jewish, half Greek. We know Paul didn't want to bring offense to the Jewish people, so he had him circumcised to have him be his disciple. So the book of 1 Timothy, at its core, is this book about discipleship. If you really look into it, Paul is discipling Timothy all these years and sends Timothy along. And it's a story about discipleship. And if you guys know me or if you're a missional community leader, you know that discipleship is one of my biggest passions as a leader. And discipleship is taking somebody along with you in the faith. It's usually taking somebody who's maybe not as far along in their faith journey as you, taking them under your wing and discipling them and bringing them up in the faith. Um, and a good definition that I have for discipleship is mentoring someone to follow Christ. It's mentoring someone to follow Christ. It's like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Have you guys ever had somebody, you don't need to raise your hand, just think in your mind, but had somebody in your life who was maybe not quite a believer yet, or maybe they're a very young believer, that you've taken under your wing and said, I am going to disciple you in the faith. I'm going to take you under my wing. Now, we know with our missional communities, uh, we ask all our missional community leaders to have somebody in their MC that they're raising up, that they're giving somebody time, like space to teach and helping somebody to raise up in their MCs. Um, we know Brian and his youth leaders uh, are in a discipleship role with the kids. We know that 
that over the summertime, they picked the kids up, took them out, spent a lot of time with them. A lot of the youth leaders text the students and give them Bible passages to read throughout the week. So there's a discipleship role there. Um, but it does not need to be a church program to disciple. It doesn't need to be an MC. It doesn't need to be in uh, student ministry or kids ministry. If you see somebody in the church, maybe you're a man and you see a young man, you can invite them out to coffee. You could, you know, just hang out with them, invite them into your life a natural friendship, or a woman, you see a younger woman in the church or younger in the faith, you can invite them out and just be a friend to them. And discipleship is all about doing life with somebody, right? You're having dinner, you invite this person over, you're, you know, going out to coffee, you invite them, you're leaf blowing, you know, you say, hey, you coming? It's taking somebody under your wing in the faith. And that's really what Paul did with Timothy. Um, and so the where, when, um, does everybody remember what I said, where this took place? Where this letter, where Timothy was? Ephesus? Yeah, I know he's found in Lystra. Yeah, but he was pastoring a church in Ephesus. So Ephesus is where the book of Ephesians is written. So, um, and the year was 62 to 64 AD. Um, like I said, it's one of Paul's last letters. Uh, they estimate Jesus died in, again, 33, 32 AD. Um, and this is like 30 years after Jesus died. So Paul, when Paul planted this church in Ephesus, he sent Aquila and Priscilla there to be in charge. Then he sent Apollos, and then he sent Timothy there um, to this church. So why was Timothy sent there is the what, is Paul sent Timothy there to correct bad teaching and to correct wayward leaders. So the main reason was is, there was, they noticed that bad teaching started to rise up. And you can imagine, Jesus has been uh, ascended into heaven for 30 years. He left this earth, he's been gone for 30 years. Think back 30 years ago. And this is a lot of, a, a lot of time has passed to these people. And teachings have started to raise up in the early church that were damaging. Paul realized it, so he sent Timothy there to correct bad teaching. And We'll talk about this, but false teachers have infiltrated the church. Who is, who is sending and bringing in the false teachers? Who would you think? What? Yeah, Antichrist or, yeah, that's what I was going to say, Satan. Okay, this is what we have to realize. The church is, when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's not a series that we do, but spiritual warfare is always happening. There's always, there's this unseen realm, there's angels, there's demons. And number one, the victory has already been won by Jesus Christ. So when we stand, the Bible says all, yes, thank you. <laughs> you guys are awesome. The victory has already been won by Jesus Christ. And so when we are, the Bible says, is how do we defeat demons and how do we make this Satan flee? Is we stand strong. And we stand strong in Christ's victory. We stand strong in the truth of what Jesus has done in God's word. And the authority, like we don't have authority ourselves as people. The authority we have is given to us by Jesus Christ. So if we feel like there's a demonic attack, we stand strong in the authority of Jesus and he flees. But the devil, his number one enemy is the church. And when you start doing things in the church for God, you are going to get a target on your back. Some of you, this might be new information, but it's, it's true. 
We wrestle, we don't, the Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and of darkness in the heavenly realms. And so we see that, and, and this is when a clear example is when I see it. You guys know when we do baptisms here, right? I've seen this when I started ministry in 07, but usually when somebody gets baptized, that person is usually under spiritual attack for the next few weeks. Because they stood up and proclaimed their newfound faith in Jesus Christ to the church. And then Satan's like, I want to discredit that person. That person might fall into sin. The person falls into depression. The person just, it's like bad. And so what I tell people is, don't be afraid. I'm like, be prepared if you get baptized. And they say, what do you mean? I said, there's some times where we fall behind in our quiet times, in our prayer time, in our studying God's word. I said, this isn't the week to do it right? Like, like, do not do it because you're gonna have a target on your back. And so do not be lazy this week because there's gonna be a target. But if you stand strong, God will take care of you. Like, God will protect you. If we um, are not prayed up and we're not walking in the Spirit, we're more apt to his attacks. So the, the enemy is after the church. And so the enemy is after of Ephesus. So that's why Paul sent Timothy. So in the theme is this, Again, I know today might be a little scholastic, but it's good. Uh, the theme is this, a holistic vision for the church. So we'll talk about, like, the whole vision of, like, why do we need the church? What's the purpose of the church? And have you ever heard somebody say, I don't need the church. I just have faith in God. I don't need the church. Have you ever heard somebody say that? That's not true. The body of Christ was meant to be together. And so I always tell people, if it's not going to be Jericho Road Church, like find a church where you can grow in. It doesn't matter if it's big. It doesn't matter if it's small. It could be a group of 20 people. If they are the church, they're the church. But you can't say I could do life without the church because that would be anti-biblical. Jesus' last prayer was that the church would be one, that we would be unified, that we would be together. There would be no divisions in the church. And so... Um, this talks about a, a holistic vision for the church. And the key verse of this whole book is found in 1 Timothy 3.15. says this, um, If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So that's where we get. Through all my study, they said is the one key verse of the whole book that kind of sums it up how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Is this just talking about what you're supposed to wear to church, what time your church is supposed to meet, what songs you're supposed to do? Not really. <laughs> it's talking about how you're supposed to live as a church, right? The important things. Um, there are themes that we'll talk about is like taking care of the poor and needy, um, how the church is supposed to be a representation of Christ. It talks about men and women's roles in the church. It talks about elders and deacons in the church. And, and he talks about all these things, and they're good, and much more. Um, so, um, I'm excited to get into this. Next week, we'll go into verse 3, and we'll kind of go on. But um, I want to talk for the next little bit about this, this concept of feasting on God's Word. Feasting on God's Word. Now, first of all, I'm not talking about God's Word, but how many of you would describe yourself as, like, not a big reader? Raise your hand right now. Like, I'm not a big reader, okay? Maybe that's like 40% of you by my first guess. How many of you 
would say you just love to read and you could blow through a book in a week. Okay. Duh, yeah, yeah. A couple of you love to read. Like, there's going to be a mix. And again, when we talk about God's Word and reading God's Word, a lot of times we say, and again, we said probably like 50% of us or more are not big readers. So we're not going to like necessarily blow through three books of the Bible. Or we might feel as an excuse as, hey, I'm not really a big reader, so it doesn't happen. But my encouragement to you is starting today, read your Bibles. Amen? As simple as I could say it, read your Bibles. And it's all my study through reading like 1 Timothy, and I knew today was going to be a little bit more academic because it's the who, what, where, why, when. It's super important. And I really felt like the Lord saying like, encourage the church to study their word. Be in the word. Be literate of the word. Read devotional. Whatever will help you, read God's word. Be feasting on God's word. So again, we're going to be going through this verse by verse in context. So it's really important. Like when you read the Bible, it's not a book written to like us, right? It's not like 1 Timothy wasn't written to us, it was written to Timothy. So we have Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, and we as a church are reading Timothy's mail, right? So it's super important because we have to see Number one, who he's writing to, where he's writing to them, and what it means for them. And in that, we have to see what truths we can pull out of that letter that still apply to the church today. Amen? So that's really how we study God's Word. It's like, you, that's why when people pull verses out of context, well, that really wasn't written towards us. You know, like, it could have been written towards a problem back then. Because I think there's a verse in Timothy that we'll read in a little bit that said, like, it talks about women in the church wearing fancy jewelry. And it's like, is it wrong for women to wear earrings in the church? Uh, I don't believe so. If you look at it in the context, with the whole scripture, Matthew through Revelation, and even Genesis through Revelation, you'll see that if you wear jewelry, it's not a sin. <laughs> But something was going on in Ephesus where the women were wearing like fancy jewelry, head to toe. They were showing off in front of poor people. It became, church became a fashion show. Maybe they, were, maybe they were being provocative. Like we don't know. But through that, we could read themes that, that talk about modesty and how modesty can be applied in 2023, right? It's not necessarily saying like gold is bad. So that's kind of how we look at it. Um, so it's important to read the whole context of a book. Um, and you see, we talked about this. God's word is truth. Amen? Everybody believes that, right? God's word is truth. It's really the bread of life. Because Jesus, in John 1, it says that Jesus is the word. And the word became flesh. And so every word of the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit for edification of the body, for combating the evil one, for giving us truth. And so we should be reading this on a regular basis and filling our minds with truth. Because here's the thing. You guys are filling your minds with something every day. Would you guys agree with that? Man, and I want to tell you guys as a church, protect what goes into your mind. 
What you watch on the television, what you see on the internet, what you see on your phones, what you listen to in the car, everything you see and read is sending you messages. And either God is establishing his truth in your heart and soul, or Satan is trying his best to establish his truth, which is a lie in your heart and soul. Does that make sense? Have you guys ever saw that? Like, like listening to music that talks about the world is nothing, if you're really old school. You are nothing more than dust in the wind. Nothing matters. You are worthless. You know, if we start consuming that music, guess how you're going to live your life? As worthless. And nothing matters. And that's not true. You're a, if you are in Christ, you are a daughter of the living God. If you are in Christ, you are a son of the living God. So you are royalty. And so when you're always consuming this truth that you are nothing more than a speck of dust, here today, gone tomorrow, this world doesn't matter. Just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die and this all doesn't matter. So I'm telling you, we are filling our minds with stuff every day. And you need to be the gatekeepers of your mind. Keep the bad stuff out, but be filling your mind with truth. And so every day we need to have God's Word a part of our day in some way, shape, or form. And so that's my plea to you guys. Um, it's like this. Everybody knows Thanksgiving's coming up, right? You guys, uh, some of you love Thanksgiving. Some of you, maybe it's not the greatest holiday in your family. I get that. It's, it's good. It's painful, I, you know. But I don't know about y'all, but I love Thanksgiving. It's busy because I think we have six places to go in a two-hour period, but it's awesome. Um, we love it. But on Thanksgiving, like, I don't know if, like, we usually eat more than we ought to, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that, hey, it's a feast. It's a celebration. It's giving thanks. But we feast on Thanksgiving. At least I do. I don't know about y'all. Uh, but I feast on Thanksgiving. And when you guys come to church on Sundays, myself or Brian or whoever else is preaching up here is giving you guys a feast of God's Word, right? And so you guys are feasting like Fern read Scripture, awesome truths up here about how suffering produces endurance and there's the truth is is suffering isn't bad suffering is good if you're walking with jesus and it's producing something it's growing you so sunday morning is a, is like a thanksgiving feast of god's word but think about if you went to your grandma's house and feasted on thanksgiving and then you know the next day you didn't eat it all you'd be a little hungry, right? <laughs> the, the three days from that, you're going to be a little hungry. Five days from not eating since Thanksgiving, you're going to be starving. You're going to be malnourished. You're going to be sick. There'll be problems. And what I'm saying to you is, on Sunday, we feast together on God's Word, and it's awesome. But if you're not feasting yourself, if you're not feeding yourself Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, by Thursday, Friday, you're going to be starving spiritually. You're going to be malnourished in your soul. And when we're supposed to be strong in the faith, we're going to feel weak. And it's like, are we feasting on God's Word daily? Either listening to it, reading it. And that's my encouragement and challenge to you today, is find time. Make it a priority. If you absolutely, I think the morning's great because you read God's Word before you start your day. If you can't do the morning, 
do it uh, after work or in the evening, but feast on God's Word every day or else you'll be spiritually hungry and malnourished. And that's when the enemy's going to attack because he knows you haven't been in his word for weeks. He knows that you're more susceptible to his tricks and his lies. And so I want to give you guys a tool. Um, my phone's over there. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a tool. All right, thank you. I just want to see what time it was. Okay, we're good. Um, in the, so there's two things I want to tell you. First of all, um, I put these around the church. These are like, these are good. Um, the Our Daily Bread little booklets are there. They're by the giving boxes. These are like, if you don't know where to start and you have not been reading God's Word, this is a great place to start. Each day of the week, they have a little story. At the bottom, they have a chapter from the Old Testament, a chapter from the New Testament. And actually what I was doing like last month is I was reading it and they had a chapter and I was reading whatever chapter it was for that day. And so I was working my way through whatever book they were on in this. And it was great. So I was reading a chapter of scripture. I was reading a little story. It was awesome. These are all over the church. We, got, we get boxes of these. Uh, it's good until November, and we'll get a new shipment here in the next couple of weeks. If you don't know where to start, at least start here with these little Our Daily Breads, okay? Um, if you guys, like, have been reading your Bible, it's a little bit of a struggle, I have another tool for you. In the pew in front of you, there's these little cards. I think it's in the pew in the front row, they're right there. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this to you real quick. Um, and it's called the SOAP method. Any, raise your hand if you ever heard of the SOAP method. Okay, good. Only like five of us. Um, SOAP is meant to help us read God's Word. And here's the thing. When you open God's Word, you should be expecting a few things. I'm going to show you these real quick. Expectations when reading or listening to God's Word. Here they are on the screen. Oh, can you go back one? Thank you. Um, the, these are the expectations when you read God's Word. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to me. I will get wisdom on how to live my life. I will learn my identity and who I am. And I will learn my purpose. These are your expectations when you read God's Word. You should be thinking about these, praying about these, asking God to reveal these to you. So when you open God's Word, it's not just reading any old book. These are words inspired by the Holy Spirit meant for you, and it's good. It's good. So the SOAP method is basically an acronym for SOAP, but it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Um, it's a great Bible study tool if you're looking to start. You will need a journal. So I'll get more next week. I think we have like one left on the J-Rock. But if you really want a, a journal, they're cheap. You can get a nice most fake leather one on Amazon for like 10 bucks. But get a journal, and it requires a journal. Write the today's date on there, and then work your way through Scripture. And it says, you start with a Scripture, um, whether it's, if you're reading in John, you start with John chapter 1. Read John chapter 1, and it says which scripture stuck out to you the most. You write it down in your journal. Um, so write down if a couple of verses stuck out to you, write them down. Observation is what do you think about the verse? What does God seem to re be revealing through it? Uh, do any words stand out? You could look up the original Greek. It's just observations on what you're reading. Application is how do you apply this little truth to your life? Are there any areas in your life that do not align with the scripture and need to change? So that's the obedience piece. Obedience is super important. We don't just read God's word for head knowledge, but we read God's word for, to change our lives. 
And so, and last is prayer. Write, write uh, down a prayer or say a prayer asking how to implement this verse to your life. Okay, this is a soap method. I think even on Amazon, if you look up soap journals, they have all these down on Amazon, if you want to look that up. So, obviously, this is just a tool, but it's super important. If you're like, Jim, I don't know where to start. Again, these are really great. They have a New Testament chapter in each day. Um, if you really want to start somewhere, I, I would start, if you're new to it, start in the book of John and work your way through Revelation. That should take you quite a while if you're reading a chapter a day. Um, and just do the soap method. Write down, like read your scriptures, write down a couple passages sticking out to you. Because chances are, if a scripture's sticking out to you, that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you. Right? Like if a verse seems to just pop out at you, that's what Jesus is trying to teach you. So, and then you observe, how do you apply it to your life and pray? Again, this is an awesome method I want to give to you guys and challenge you. So um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, that's your challenge for the week. Do it. If you need a daily bread, come up here and grab them in the front row or buy the boxes as well. But be in God's word this week. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, uh, there's so much truth in your word and there's, there's so many lies in our world. And God, we need to be like expert detectives to discern what's lies and what's truth and help us get in your word to know the truth. God, I pray that everybody that listens to this message, whether here or maybe even online, God, that they just have a passion for your word. God, that we are a church that understands your word, that reads your word, that loves your word, and we we go to it with expectation knowing that you're going to speak to us today. So God, help us be in the word this week. We just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Stand with